0: Hey, dear listeners, the wise and wonderful April Beyer is back as my co-host for our final Unqualified episode of 2021. Our first call today is with Mary, whose two best friendships are called into question after a past conversation revealed that the three of them have differing political views. Missing her friends, Mary wonders how or if their relationships can be repaired. Our next call is with Michelle, whose son's upcoming marriage has her family debating whether to invite the groom's father. While every wedding brings a certain amount of stress, her ex-husband's dependency issues have the potential to create even more drama. Michelle wonders if inviting him is worth taking the chance. Thank you so much to everyone listening, calling in, and supporting the show, and to all the wonderful guests we've had this year. We'll be back in January with new episodes and new great guests. So if you'd like to talk with us, please look for the link in our show notes. We would love to hear from you. Happy holidays, everyone. Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to Unqualified with your host,
1: Anna Ferris.
0: April. Hey, Anna. It is so great to see you. Ah, thank you. It is so nice to always see you. We finally have our qualified person back. All right. Shall we call Mary? Let's do it.
2: Hi. Hi. (laughs) Mary, how are you? I'm good. Anna, it's so good to be here with you. I'm such a big fan. (laughs) Thank
0: you. You have the privilege of being here with April today. So
2: exciting. Yeah. Hi, April.
1: Hi, Mary. Nice to see you. Will you tell our listeners what's going on?
2: Yeah, of course. Basically, my letter to you was about just how political discussions I had last year with two of my best friends from college. You know, we're all in our late 20s now living in different states. But those discussions last year, I feel like have kind of affected the friendships. I'm surprised I didn't learn this while we were in college, but to my recollection, we never really, you know, got into that deep of political discussions when we were in school together. So last year, leading up to the 2020 election, I was just kind of really surprised at, you know, how conservative some of their views were. And now it just kind of feels like things between us are very stilted and surface level. And I actually don't even talk to one of the friends anymore. And I feel like the other friend is like aware of that. And that's maybe why things with her have been distant. So I guess my question is, you know, should I air all of this out with the one friend I do still talk to? It's hard to know if the distance I feel is just, you know, because there literally is so much more distance between us now living in different parts of the country and us having very different careers and very different very different schedules, or if it's just because of what happened last year, you know, should I get into that with her or is that just going to be more destructive? And then, you know, just I'm curious too, what you guys think about... You know, politics, is it worth ending friendships over? Which is such an easy question, I know.
1: (laughs) No.
0: (laughs) You know, I do think it's one of sort of the greater tragedies on a societal scale that's been happening to us. You describe in your letter that your original, you call her BF1, was your roommate, right? And you guys became super close. Yeah. And then there's also another woman, BF2, that, comes into play. And you guys had, I don't know, triangular female friendship. Correct. Yeah. Which I think is really interesting and hard. Yeah. I haven't been able to pull it off (laughs) in my life. All right. So let's get into this. Do you mind if I read a tiny bit of your letter? Oh, no. Sure. Go ahead. So you say, fast forward to 2020, all three of us live in different parts of the country. It's hard to keep in touch with good college friends when you live in different states. Can you tell us a little bit about the moment where you and BF2, how did that moment lead up to you guys not talking?
2: Yeah, so the second friend, BF2, her and I's views are really the ones that were very just not clicking at all. And I was just very surprised at some of the stuff she said. Some of it was just kind of flat out inaccurate. And Did she say this to you or on social media? Oh, sorry. That's a good point. Yeah, we were talking like texting and like, yeah, through Instagram Messenger. Because she would send me stuff on Instagram and that's how our conversations would go. That's a good point I should mention. Yeah, this wasn't like over the phone or in person. Because like I said, we all live in different areas. But yeah, so this was over social media slash texting. Did you guys have any larger disagreements in college? It was pretty smooth sailing and... I think also just the three of us, you know, after college, us all living in different areas. Also, I think kind of helped too, because that made just all of us want to keep in touch more. Like there was no one person we wanted to talk to more, you know, because we were all not together anymore, like none of us. So, yeah.
0: Do you get the sense that BF1 and BF2 are still really tight?
2: Yes. So that's kind of also what I'm worried about. Just like that they know that I'm not talking to one of them. And I'm sure that's like been affecting how they interact with me and Again, like I said in my letter, we haven't like aired that out at all. like I don't know what they know. they might not know what I don't. I don't know.
0: well, I want to know kind of how much you miss them
2: That's a good question. I miss them so much. you know college is such an insular time in your life, and you make so many incredible memories and you know I lived with the first friend. we were roommates, and that just makes you so tight and you know they were like right or die friends, friends I would consider like making my bridesmaids at my wedding one day and I feel like it's just distance, too, is what's also is making this hard.
0: Yeah, for sure. Well, I commend you for missing them and wanting to, like, keep up with them. April, how do we help Mary?
1: Yeah, I guess my first question to you, Mary, is who stopped the conversations? Was it you or was it this other gal? Like, was there a decision made to not talk or did you all just sort of drift?
2: So I still do talk to the first friend. Like I said, it's kind of surface level, but the other friend I don't talk to anymore. I think I was the last person to message on Instagram, but that's where we kind of stopped contact. And yeah, it was just after she sent me something that I didn't like on January 6th of this year. And oh. <laughs> and I said something back about how, you know, like that day was really hard for me and upsetting. And I think I said, I don't want to, don't want to continue talking about that with her. And I think that's how it stopped.
0: Were you guys in college together in 2016?
2: Yeah, so our last year in college was 2016. That was our senior year of college. That's the year I graduated. Yeah,
0: a big election year.
2: I know. Yeah, like I said, I was. I'm surprised I didn't know any of this. I'm sure maybe their views have changed since I graduated from college because you know that was like four years ago when we were talking last year. But are they married? The one I still talk to is in a pretty serious relationship. She's not married, and the friend I don't talk to anymore is not married. No. Yeah, I mean, I I
1: think first is really getting into what are you really worried about are you worried that these girls are talking about you? Because I sense that you're
2: concerned that there might be some chatter. This is the
0: female triangle
2: issue. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, they can think what they want about me. Like, I'm not really worried about, you know, them like gossiping about me behind my back. I just kind of wish that me and this first friend that I still do talk to, I wish I could maybe just ask her why I feel distance between us. And I want to know if it's because she knows I don't talk to the other friend or if it's just because, you know, She's very busy. I'm very busy. Just life living in different states when you're friends with someone. And what would be the reluctance just to make that call? I think it's just getting back into those discussions again from last year because that was just kind of it was just really upsetting to me like every time we would get into the political territory it was it was upsetting and I think I maybe I'm afraid that we're going to get back to that and I was really
0: excited and grateful for your letter Mary because I do think that we are all going through versions of this, of personal distance between personal relationships over large ideas, which is very important. And I totally understand feeling vehemently for an individual belief. Mm -hmm. So your friends went back to their regional places and then had their inklings of belief cemented, like all of us. Mm-hmm. One way or the other. So that's just a broad perspective. But I wonder how much you miss BF2.
2: Yeah. I mean, we still follow each other on social media. So I'll see her posts and I do wonder how she's doing. And sometimes I'll just feel so bad for, you know, just cutting off contact like that. I feel like neither of us did that actively. It just kind of happened, you know. And I think back to your question to April about why I'm reluctant, I think I'm most reluctant with BF1, just like, you know, of alienating her more with my political views or her political views will alienate me. And like, I reluctant to not do anything and just let all this be how it is.
1: Yeah, but anytime you do house cleaning, things get a little dusty before they get clean. So who cares? You know, if you kick up the dust a little bit and all that it is is a confirmation of how different you all think, then why would we be afraid of that event that reveals that?
2: Yeah. That's a good point.
1: You're basically saying, I'm going to be in in inaction because I'm worried that it's going to be a repeat of what already happened. But meanwhile, you're here with us talking about it because clearly it bothers you, Mm. right? Yeah. You said, I didn't realize we had such different views back in college. This last period of time has been so polarizing for all of us that a lot of our friendships and family relationships shifted, maybe even forever. And it's been very painful to witness this in our lives. And we've never been in this position before, even if we had different political beliefs as we've been in the last couple of years, few years. Mm -hmm. So let's extract it from college and just make it more universal than that. And yes, after college, everybody goes their own way. And friendships can either stay glued together or they can kind of separate But the beautiful thing about friendships is that they do get impacted by moving jobs, relationships, politics. But you have to think about friendships like waves. They come in and they come out. They go in and they go out. And knowing that if these friendships are important— you guys might get back together again in five years or 10 years. Anna, haven't you had situations where you didn't talk to somebody for a really long time because of some argument and then a decade went by or five years went by and you went, I should call her or him or, you know, I don't even remember what we fought about. And suddenly the relationship is just right back on track.
0: I think all of my relationships have been.
1: <laughs> <laughs> all of them? Pretty much. Yeah. I can be a little flaky. For sure. <laughs> no. You know, it's happened for me, too. And especially during this time, it definitely keeps me up at night. So I get exactly where you're coming from. But I don't think if you're going to go back to these people, I don't think I would worry about, oh, it's going to become a political discussion. All you have to say is we've drifted because this has been such a polarizing time. And what it did is it just sort of triggered me because it was so tightly connected to my own values. Mm-hmm. And I don't need my values to be your values, but this is why. And when you air that and you have that kind of conversation, you're not going to all of a sudden be back to where you were. And that's the good news and the bad news. Yeah. What you're doing is you're building on what is because what was is gone. Like that's over. Let's not try to get back things They had a shelf life, right? That was a time and a place. So the minute you kind of let go of that and you go, okay, what kind of more honest relationship can I have with these women going forward where how cool would it be if we could have opposing views and still maintain a friendship or (laughs) realize that maybe you don't want the friendship as much because it's harder for you to be honest. So if you can't be honest with friends and have opposing views and be able to kind of duke it out, then maybe they're not people
2: that need to be around. Yeah. I feel like something just kind of like clicked in my head when you said like trying to get back to how you were maybe isn't doable. I think that's how I've been thinking about it. Like the solutions I'm running through in my head, I'm like thinking it in a way of how we'll get back to like how we were in college, which I should know that's not going to be doable. So I think thinking of it in a different way of how can we change our relationship or how can we evolve going forward and...
0: Yeah. Well, we've had like two years to reflect and reminisce, romanticizing what was. And I think that that is really common. How would you feel if I told you my advice is to call BF2 and say, how are you? I know it's been a minute. I was just thinking about this funny thing that happened in the dorm or whatever. What would be your gut with that? Would that relieve you or not?
2: Uh, my gut is like, that sounds so nice to talk to her again, but then my brain will like flash back to our conversations last year. But I mean, I think that's something I'll cave to eventually is just reaching out to her and seeing how she's doing just because I do think about her all the time. And I know we said some stuff and I might not agree a lot with what she's thinking right now, but that does sound nice to see how she's doing. I think this is really good because I wonder if you
0: start with her. Yeah. If you had answered, like, I don't know, Then we would pursue just a straight line towards BF1. Yeah. But because that idea kind of comforts you, I think we should explore that for a minute. April, what do you think?
1: Well, you know me. I'm always about like, (laughs) the word confrontation always gets a bad rap because it sounds angry. But I'm never afraid of putting my cards on the table. And I wouldn't want anybody else to be either. Because that's when you get your answers. We spend so much time going, what if? You know, what if I say this? What will happen? And really at the end of the day, you know, no one gets harmed by honest conversations. Yeah. And also too, you know, the triangle of women, Mary, is that as we get older, we get out of college, those triangles are harder and harder to maintain and sustain Mm -hmm. over the years. You're supposed to, you're supposed to float in different ways. You said something about like, oh, these women would have been in my wedding. Well, Again, that's just an idea, mm-hmm. and it's a movie idea, and it's a concept that all girls have. Like, you're going to be in my wedding. Well, it could be a decade from now by the time you get married or longer, and you're going to have other more important people in your lives that are actually like the people who share your values, people who are yeah. around you and your guy all the time, and you're going to want that person standing next to you at your wedding. That's just this old fantasy concept that girls have. And the number one reason I think why people can't have any kind of resolve about breakups, whether they be friend or love relationships, is because we all are living in the past and we don't want time to take over. We want everything to be standing still, like frozen in time. And that's what brings us the grief. Instead of just accepting and rolling with, okay, this is where the relationship was always supposed to go. And everything has a beginning and a middle and an end. It's our unwillingness to receive that, which is everything has that process to it. And we're fighting the tide instead of rolling.
2: Yeah, I feel like the limbo that I've probably put myself in (laughs) with these friends is kind of, yeah, making me look back so much more. Like feeling that nostalgia so much more for our college days. And yeah, I think... Something needs to happen for me to be able to just let that go and and move on, so.
1: You're not alone, though. No, but when you let it go, which is like, hey, I'm thinking of you, you know, and it's not, it's not like, I'm genuinely missing you in this moment. I'm not going to, like, pick up my weapons and fight about something again in that moment, but I'm just like, hey, I'm thinking about you. What's up? Because that's pure, right? It's not like you can harm anything between the two of them if you go back to BF1 and say how are you i miss you and then get on the phone don't do this in yeah. m- message right get on the phone with her and then you'll roll into the conversation of like i'm sure you're aware last year i had like a lot of back and forth with bf2 and you might have heard that and then you just got to like pause and just let her speak she's probably avoiding you a little bit because she doesn't want to get in the middle yeah but that doesn't mean she's taken sides it just means she's like oh i'm so busy with school and It's just more than I can bear right now. And we have to allow people their time because you're coming up for air now and all of a sudden you're missing these women. They might not be there yet. They might be there in a month from now or two months from now. So you're just going to go test the water a little bit Mm -hmm. with like, how are you? I'm sure you've heard this. We had some words. It really, really like brought a lot up for me. And here's why. But you're not doing that conversation to get her to make it okay. You're just having that conversation so that you can share with her that it makes you sad because you actually do miss them. Yeah. And you can say, I know we're both busy, but I would love just to reconnect with you. That could be like how you start it. Nothing bad will happen just by sharing that because you're not going to throw BF2 under the bus by talking trash about her. You're just sharing more of how you're feeling. Like the correspondence between the two of you just hurt and it was a really bad day. I mean, we all had fights on January 6th with people that we know and love, and a lot of our relationships have transformed. Just let it be. Yeah, You never know when you're going to circle back with a friend. We've had friends that we haven't seen for 15 years that all of a sudden became our besties again later in life. Like, there's always hope, but it may not happen on your schedule,
0: right? It is so hard that we kind of wear this as a badge now. I know. I mean, I feel you, Mary. I was just talking to like my childhood best friend and she brought up something that I was like, what? (laughs) You think that's like, I think we're old enough and tired enough that we sort of glide through it. But we are living in this interesting time of this is a part of our identity now, which is really unfortunate. April, do you think that A reach out, though, to BF2 is worth it. And my inclination with BF2 would be a reach out for the benefit of BF1, essentially. And can loaded topics be avoided?
1: Or what would you suggest in that case? I think it needs to go in order of your other friend that you didn't have the confrontation with. I think that's first, And then you can ask her, if it's a really good friend, you could say, what's the temperature like? You know, I'm feeling like reaching out to her. Do you think this is a good time? It's very easy to say, these are the people I relate to because they think exactly the way I think. I can say, I don't want to spend more time with this person because our views and not just politics, but our values in life are so opposite that I just can't but that doesn't mean you'd shun that person. You can still have like lightweight conversations with that person because there's value in those friendships too. Not every friendship has to be the person who you look in the mirror and you're like, I'm you and you're me. Sometimes a friend can be somebody that just makes you laugh and you call them twice a year. That's a friend. It's a different kind of a friend. So the people that you're going to want to spend most of your time with can't be people that you have to avoid conversations with because then you're not authentic. You're not living fully. You're kind of holding your breath. But you can certainly have those people in your life. I think a test of the character of these girls is how willing BF1 is to give you advice on what the temperature is like. April, this is good. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) And when BF2, when you finally reach out to BF2 and you say, listen, like we clearly think totally differently, but I just need you to know that I still love you and I'm always here for you. However, she responds is testament to her character and her maturity. Because it's the person who's going to say, I'm not calling this person ever again. That small-mindedness, those people will end up in an echo chamber of the sameness in their lives, and they'll never grow, and they'll never expand. Because we should be able to listen to someone's view as wackadoodle doodle as you think it is. We should be able to go, huh, like, why do you think that? Can you back that up? Or... What compels you to say that? Like when you can have that kind of honest discourse, it just shows a level of sophistication and maturity. It's the people that say, I don't see you anymore. I don't talk to you anymore. That's kind of awful, right? Yeah. It doesn't feel good. So why don't you reach out, BF1 first, get that done and then throw caution to the wind and get to the other friend. And if she doesn't write back or it's snippy, You've got some answers. Okay, so BF1 is really busy.
0: Yes. And I agree with you that this should be a phone call. Would you recommend like sending a text saying, hey, do you have like a half an hour this weekend? I'd love to call you.
1: Yeah, by the way, that's what I tell everybody to do, whether it's, you know, friends or dating or somebody new. Anytime you want to have a conversation, you never want to hit somebody in the face with it. You always want to like message first and say, Exactly what Anna just said.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of how we've been been talking the last couple of months is just, if it's on the phone, which is kind of rare these days, but if it is, I always, yeah, make sure it's a good time for her because I know she has just a crazy schedule.
1: Right. Just be careful that you're not like going into a text message of, I really need to talk to you about something. When do you have time? It's like, I miss you. I want to reconnect and chat. Like, do you have time this week? Yeah. Make it a pure intention and she'll get on the phone with you.
0: Yeah. I do wonder like how hurt your feelings are like right now in this current state.
2: Um I think I just talk myself out of it when I feel that way because I'm like oh she's busy like she's has a crazy job and she's a lot going on in her life, you know, outside of me. So I think I try not to make it too personal. I don't know. Yeah, so
0: <laughs> because what's really impressive I think is That you are able to step back a little bit from the feelings of, like, you know, oh, I'm left out or like paranoia. It's really impressive that you have sort of a broader perspective on the whole situation. And I think that the test can also be, you know, you like, is this rewarding? Is this pursuit rewarding? Or after you have two phone conversations, you can take an assessment of where you want to go with it.
2: Yeah, And I think that's ultimately what I'm hoping for is just how I'm going to feel after these conversations, especially with BF2. Like, you know, is the friendship still as strong as it was, even though we think such different things? Is it worth it to keep that in my life? Right. We get this a lot on the podcast, which is
1: Everybody tries to do all of the work, like 100% of the work when they're only 50% of the equation. And I think it's a better approach to say, I'm going to do this because it's going to make me feel good. And once I serve the ball over the net, my job's done. Like whatever happens, however they react, it's okay. Like I'm not going to attach myself to how well they respond or if they're kind or if they're sweet or if they're helpful or if they also miss me. Because my job is just to express myself and then leave it up to whatever will be. That's a hard thing to do. But when you practice that over and over in your life, good things come to you and you end up being a really trustworthy person because people know that you always speak your truth with care and that it's not attached to an agenda. Mm -hmm. So therefore, they want to be around you more. They're more honest with you. They can let themselves go with you. That's a huge, huge part of it is just not worrying about that. But the fun thing is doing like a friend audit. So as an exercise, write down all of the traits that you love, and admire about yourself. Then you write down the traits that your friends who are currently in your life have and what you love about them. And then ask them, what do you guys like and love about me? You're going to put these in three different columns. And then you're going to start to kind of like, when you see the same trait more than once, circle it. Then go back and ask yourself if those girls, those two other girls, have those exact same traits. So do that and then go back and ask yourself, forget about the politics. Do these girls like these traits in me? Do they need those traits in a friend? And do I like those traits in them? That's usually what creates long-lasting friendships. It's not our lives and our careers and our political beliefs. It's who are we? You might find yourself realizing that you guys are not super compatible going into the future and it has nothing to do with January
0: 6th. Yeah. Mary, do you
2: feel comfortable sending BF1 that text? Yeah, I think that's a good place to start. Just like April said, kind of like test the temperature uh, first with her and then with asking about the other friend. Doing that, I think respectfully is a good good place to start. I feel good doing that.
0: Good. Please let us know what happens.
2: Yeah, of course. And thank you guys for such great insights. This really helped kind of readjust my my thinking of this. It really did. Yeah. I think it's just so valuable to have a unbiased, like outside of my circle opinion. So I really appreciate it. It feels
1: like you're there. Yeah. You just needed support and confirmation. She's right. You are there. You know what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you guys. You're smart, Mary. You got this. Yeah.
0: And truly, thank you for talking about an issue that is affecting So many people.
2: Thanks, Mary. Oh, thank you guys so much. You guys are great. (laughs) Bye, Mary. Good luck.
3: This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt
1: gift from Blue Nile. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash
3: awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.
0: April, are you finding this in your clients dealing with the intensity of the current climate?
1: Yeah, everybody is now adding that to their dating profiles, their I would never if it's been really tough because every time you add in that extra layer of things that you need in a partner, (laughs) it makes it harder and harder to find that person who has everything that you're looking for. So it's definitely separated people, but I have to deal with it all day. Yes, 100%.
0: April, what would you advise a client if they have different beliefs than someone they're on a date with?
1: Well, it's kind of like what I said to Mary about how will the friend react when they do talk about it, because that matters to me more. So a lot of people say, if you're out on a date, you shouldn't talk about religion or politics or your exes. I don't agree with that because it's an opportunity to learn, right? So if I'm talking with somebody, like I remember I was on a date when I was single. It was during an election time, years and years ago. And I expressed an opinion. And the gentleman that I was with starts kind of roughing me up a little bit. Like, well, what would you do? And I said, well, you know, I don't know. I'm not a politician. I only know how I feel. And this is how I feel. Well, April, what's your solution? What's your answer? And he was pushing hard on me. And I could tell that we were on opposite sides of the spectrum there. But that's not what mattered to me the most. What mattered to me the most was why was he being that way? Why was he being so harsh and abrasive with me? That mattered. So to me, it's an opportunity to see how someone talks about it. I have a brother that's the opposite of me. And yet, for some reason, when we talk, we can agree to disagree. There's nice candor there. We're both very honest with one another, but neither one is being forceful or pushing ourselves on the other person. So that's what I would look for. So I'm never going to tell anybody to stay away from politics. I'm just going to say, be careful how you speak about it, that you're more curious than you are making statements. That's what I would advise. I love that. I'm so glad you're here today. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. All right.
0: Okay. Let's talk with Michelle. Hi, Michelle. Hi, Anna. Michelle, I was so happy to read your letter.
3: (laughs) I love a good wedding drama. (laughs) Will you tell us what's going on? So, my son is getting married next September my younger son, and I've been divorced for a very, very long time, like over 20 years. He has substance abuse issues, alcoholic, the whole nine yards. And about four or five years ago, both my boys just cut him off. Like they set up boundaries. They were like, we're done. Unless you straighten up, get your life together, we can't deal with you because he would call them and harass them, ask for money. It's sad, it's very, very sad. So, long story short, my son gets engaged and he says, Mom, I think I should ask dad to come because he's my father. And I'm like, Well, of course, I'm trying to be supportive. I'm like, Well, do what's in your heart. But I'm having such anxiety (laughs) about it. And I know part of it is me being selfish, going, This is my child. I did the work. This is my show. (laughs) I totally get it. So, but then the other part is I'm nervous because and it's very sad. He is sort of homeless. I'm still close to his sister. I've tried to help get him into rehab, all that stuff. And I'm nervous that if he comes, he'll make a scene, he'll get drunk. He'll go through the whole thing and he'll get up and just embarrass my son. And my son is, he's like, mom, I'll have them kicked out. <laughs> There'll be a big fight. <laughs> and it's given me so much anxiety. I'm so nervous about it because I want them to have the most beautiful day and have it be perfect. And, you know, my older son is funny because he's like, he is to come to the wedding, sit down and shut up and that's it. He's not allowed to talk, <laughs> you know, which makes me happy that his brother's got his back. But it's just creating anxiety with me and. I know that my younger son, as it gets closer, he's going to be anxious. And so that is my dilemma. I
0: always feel like with weddings that we find these little avenues
1: mm-hmm.
0: that we focus kind of our anxiety and stress. Right. And this is not a little avenue. Right. It's a bigger one, but it won't be a perfect day, but it will be an awesome day. Yes. Anyway, that's sort of my blanket idea. And then let's get into this. I'm really happy though for your son and for you and you wrote in your letter that you love his fiance and yeah. her family and I love that as a future mother-in-law that's the most important yeah. thing I think that you're just really supportive yeah. of those two and you're happy about the union.
3: I am. She's awesome. He's so lucky. Have such a very yeah. She's a great girl, and I can't believe I'm going to be a mother-in-law. That's another yes. thing that's freaking yeah. me awesome. out. I'm like, when did
0: I get this old?
3: Are <laughs> <Our> beautiful. <laughs> Thank,
0: Thank you, <laughs> April.
1: What are your initial thoughts? Oh, Michelle, this is such a difficult position you are in. I really heard you when you said, "I did this." You know, I raised these boys, and so there's a lot of that going on too. Has
0: he been invited already? Like what is his awareness of this? And is your ex-sister-in-law also going to the wedding?
3: Yes. Like our family's so small, he does want his aunt, his uncle there, his cousins. I talked to her and she said to me that she goes, he is surprised that he's even invited. And I said, Well, we need to have a talk and sit down and say, okay these are the rules, but I know him too. Like, he'll be like, what do you mean there's rules? And I don't want him to get his back up and just make a big stink of it. But my sister-in-law, she's like, we'll watch him. We'll be there for support, which is, makes me feel good. I know with my son, he's like, I just don't want him to embarrass me. And that's sad too. I mean, it's his dad. It's just, the whole thing is just really effed up. <laughs>
1: What's worse, that he shows up and embarrasses everybody and ruins the wedding
3: or him not being there? Probably shows up, gets drunk and just makes a huge scene. And I think that would hurt my son more. Mm. I think my son would be more understanding if he said to him, look, I'm not going to come or whatever. They came to that understanding. Um, But yeah, I think if he came and made a big scene, my son would be mortified. How old is your son 29?
1: He's about to be married. Mm-hmm. He'll soon have his own family. Why isn't it his role to contact his dad and say, "Here's my biggest concern if you come?" Why are you making it yours as opposed to his?
3: Well, because my son procrastinates um, a lot, and but you're right. I do think that's a conversation my son should have with him, but I'm being. You know, mama bear.
0: And I bet you're also envisioning the moment that you see him again. I don't know when the last time you saw him was, but I bet you're like kind of bracing yourself. Yeah. For like you're in your beautiful outfit or whatever and you see him come in and... I feel like you might already, you know, you're anticipating that
3: moment. The last time I saw him was that, unfortunately, his older sister passed away last January. So we went to the wake and my kids did not even speak to him. Did it surprise you when your son wanted to invite him? Yes and no, sort of surprised. But then I was like, yeah, I guess so. I guess it makes sense that he said, well, he's my father and and I get it. I'm hoping that maybe it's the impetus for him to get some help. And maybe my sister-in-law and I were talking about it. She goes, maybe this will give him a good reason to go to rehab and get sober and get in a program. Probably not. Probably not. (laughs) I know. (laughs) He's had many chances. Yeah. And usually weddings. Yeah, wedding. I know.
1: I mean, we all know that that selfish, narcissistic behavior mm-hmm. runs through alcoholics. Right. And is this person going to be in your life after that day? Right. Because I don't know if he's inviting him because of nostalgia mm. and this thing of like you know the commercials we see, like oh the parents are there at his own sister's funeral. They didn't talk to him. Right. And they've written him out of their lives mm-hmm. five years ago. Mm-hmm. So he's going to come to this wedding, and regardless of if he messes up or not, it's not like between now and the wedding, he's going to suddenly mm. transform. Mm. Is he going to be in the boy's life right. after the wedding day? Because that's really, in my opinion, the only reason to have people at my wedding. Right. is like, we're going to be part of our community that helps our relationship grow. Are we going to be spending time with you? Because it would be weird to all of a sudden have somebody that you've cut out of your life all of a sudden be at your biggest day and then they're
3: cut out of your life again? Yeah. It makes perfect sense. Perfect. But sense. April, if he's already been invited, how does Michelle... Well, it hasn't done it yet officially. We haven't done invitations, but he's aware it's coming. Expect the worst. <laughs> he's, I know. Well, he's only met... So my mom died four years ago. And of course my sister-in-law brother-in-law they all came to my mother's wake they knew my mother and he came and of course my son's then girlfriend came in and he was so nervous like i don't want dad to meet her i don't want you know and i was like well they're here but he was with his siblings so he was fine but you're right that's true that's something i need to pose to my son i think you need to
1: ask your son like if all things remain mm-hmm. and he's the same man that he's been you know, for the last three decades, if that man shows up at the wedding and he's fine, he doesn't cause, you know, a scene, as is, right. is he somebody that you are going to invite back into your life? Because that's right. almost more painful yes. to be invited to this day because it's like traditional and right. then X him out of the life again. Right. That's something you should ask your son.
0: I really hope you can avoid focusing all of your energy on your ex. I want you to enjoy your son and his fiance and this big day, and you'll already be nervous.
3: It's so funny you say that because I remember looking back when we were married and being like, "Okay, we have this thing to go to. please don't drink like always walking on eggshells because I'm like, he's going to make a scene. he's going to ditch me or something like that.
1: I think you know history is going to repeat itself, and more likely than not, he will do something so we just have to go with that and that let it be a surprise if he doesn't. But I just keep going back to the same thing, which is I don't think this is your job, Michelle.
3: it's not. You're right, it's not. You know, I raised them alone and we're so close. So I always feel like I have to step in you know, even to this day, my oldest son is 35 and he was texting me today. Some, I don't know, somebody was bothering him at work. And I'm like, do I have to come down there? You know I mean? <laughs> yeah. He's like, mom, I'm yeah. good. You know? I'm good. They're
1: older now, right? Like, do you have a partner now, Michelle? Nope. Just my dogs. How long has it been since you got a divorce? Like 22 years now. You had a partner that wasn't a partner. Then mm-hmm. you raised the boys all on your own. And clearly you're so proud of them and in love with these young men. Mm-hmm. And congratulations for raising cool guys. Thank you. And you don't currently have somebody really partnering with you. Mm-hmm. So your muscle has become overly developed mm-hmm. of being the go-to person, mm-hmm. the person that has all the answers and the person who is going to make it all better. And you're making up for the fact that you didn't have a co-pilot. Right, right. And I think you're talking about a wedding, but what I'm seeing is an opportunity for your own growth Mm. and transitioning your own life into how can I let go now? How can I... How can he just be
0: another drunk
1: guest? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. How can I just sort of let go of the reins and start letting people take care of themselves yeah. And if I'm at the wedding, Michelle, let's say Anna and I were there and Anna and I are at like the bar, right? I don't know what Anna's drinking.
3: <laughs> it's open <laughs> I'm having, bar, by the way. Whatever's
1: <laughs> free. whatever's <laughs> I'm having a little glass of Pinot. And then we're sitting there and we see this guy. We don't know it's the kid's dad and he's kind of just a little messed up and drunk. It's not going to ruin our day. We're not going to think, oh, gosh, because we've been to so many weddings where there's always been somebody that does something, right? So don't worry about the guests. Like, we can't control everybody. Right. And I think if your son is old enough to choose a wife and start a family, he is old enough to get on the phone with his father and say, I'm worried. I want to invite you because you're my dad, Mm -hmm. but I'm really worried about how this might impact my day.
3: Right.
1: You will forever change how your son manages his life and his future with his own kids he needs this transition. And by the way, you do too, because that's how you're going to enter a partner into your life. Because if you're always managing and doing and being the go-to person, it's mm-hmm. harder for you to bring in your next person mm-hmm. who's going to co-pilot with you because there won't be any space. Right. He's not a baby anymore. I know. And I know you want to, <laughs> right? And I know you want to mama lion him. And I get it. <laughs> yeah. But how you mother him is by saying it's your choice to invite him. It's your choice and responsibility to set ground rules, to make your day the way you want it to be. Mm -hmm. Because at that point, you're mother of the groom, you know, and you get to enjoy that day too.
3: I'll be drunk. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't want to be like, all right, where is he? What's he doing? I just want to enjoy my kid.
1: Yeah, it's hard. It's hard to do. I think he needs to be assigned a handler, you know, his sister.
3: His sister, yeah. She understands. She gets it. And her and I are very close. It's like I divorced him, but not the family. I'm
0: so impressed with that, Michelle. Yeah. That speaks a lot to who you are.
3: You know, even though like she gets it, she goes, he's my brother. I love him. She goes, but I don't agree with what he's done. And she's like, always was close to my boy, my son that's getting married. She is his godmother. So he definitely wants her there too. So she will step up and she's like, listen, I don't want you to worry. We'll take care of it. And, It's so funny because when we got married, there was a fight at the end of our wedding and the cops came and an ambulance came.
0: Sounds like a good wedding.
3: (laughs) That he started? No, it was his side of the family, his cousin and the cousin's wife. Why do weddings bring this out? (laughs) They really are like loaded (laughs) Okay, <laughs> Yeah.
1: We're laughing, but it's really painful to look back on your wedding day. That's so
3: hard. Yeah. So I don't want that. And you know what? Who knows?
1: Michelle,
0: you said you feel bad for him, but are you at all still angry? I just wouldn't want that to take over the day.
3: You know, I'm not angry. I let that go a long time ago. I actually do feel sad about his state in life. It makes me very sad because honestly, he is not a bad person. He wouldn't hurt a fly. And it's sad to see how he lives his life. And it got to the point where my kids had to set boundaries because he would call them and tell them, oh, you you never did anything for me. And, you know... Things like that. And my older son just had to say, Listen, dad, I can't deal with you. Mom has raised us. She's done everything for us. And you have just disappointed us over and over again. And I know that was hard for my son to write because they do love him. They just don't like his life. I think it's so generous of
0: all of you to include him. Yeah. I do too. Your older son seems to be the most skeptical.
3: He said he can come. He's to sit there and shut up. That's basically what he said. He goes, I don't want him going around like, oh, this is my son and blah, blah, blah. He's like, I don't want him to just go around like he's father of the year.
0: It's interesting because it speaks a little bit to his anger.
3: Yeah. He's still, I think maybe is a little bit angry because he remembers more. Like my younger son, (laughs) He just says, I don't even remember dad being there that much, but my older son remembers more, but he loves him. And I know it makes him sad about it. And he'll make comments to me like his birthday. My oldest just turned 35 in August and I don't know how, but his father sent him a message like, Hey, happy birthday. And he's like, I don't know how dad get through. I blocked him. So he ended up calling me and he was drunk and he said, you know, this is a typical thing he does. He'll go tell him I said happy birthday. He goes, you know, I brought him into this world, but whatever, no big loss. You know, if he doesn't want to talk to me because he's, you know, he's a narcissist. It's all about him. Yeah. When his sister passed away, he found her and I called him and he was, he says, who is this? I go, Michelle. He goes, Michelle, who I go, your ex-wife. He's like, oh, how are you doing? I said, well, how are you doing? I'm so sorry about your sister. How, how are you feeling? How are you doing? He goes, well, I'm homeless. Oh, boy. Then that's what aggravates my older son so much.
1: Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. You know, the first thing you said when we started today was, I did this. I raised these boys. Mm -hmm. And what's interesting is that he's going, I brought them into the world. Look, those are my boys. Look, that's my son. Everybody's kind of fighting for attention, Mm -hmm. And credit. Mm-hmm. And I think if I were in your shoes and it's a must that he's there, I wouldn't treat him like the wayward guest. Right. I would give him a handler mm-hmm. and give the handler very specific instructions and the bartender, send a picture of him to the bartender and say, don't over this guy. Right. Water down his drinks, like whatever you can do. Right. But I think I would expect him because it's such an emotionally charged day Mm -hmm. to showboat a little bit he will be going up to guest a Ah. b or c and going you know that's my boy and they don't call me and they wrote me other that will probably happen because he's seeking significance right So it's this sit down and shut up thing isn't going to work. I think it would make it worse. Yeah. So I think he should either be invited and given some significance to calm the the quest and Mm -hmm. the thirst for it because he is a narcissist Mm -hmm. or don't invite him at all. Right. Because this whole like, these are the rules, shut up. People will push back on you Mm -hmm. when you do that. Right. When you put a muzzle on a dog, right? Mm -hmm. They try to shake it off. They try to pull it off. They start barking. Like, yeah, we talk about this a lot on the show. And even in my coaching sessions, it's always like, I want this, but I don't want that. Like as if we can control other people's responses, behaviors, we can't. So if we don't like those, they shouldn't be in our life. They shouldn't be at the event. Right. Because you're going to have to make a choice, I think, here, Michelle.
3: Yeah. Yeah,
1: You know, if he's talking to somebody and you hear him say, oh, that's my kids. Say, that's right. Those are your sons. Mm -hmm. You are the father of this beautiful boy Mm -hmm. getting married today. Mm -hmm. You know, that's right. There might be somebody there that doesn't know him very well. And they give him a little bit of empathy in the moment. Mm -hmm. Like somebody's got to feed the beast that day. You're so right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Otherwise, he shouldn't go. I just think it's going to get worse. Yeah,
3: They are his kids, too. And I want him to be there because it is important that he be there and say, yep, my son's getting married. This is a momentous occasion. And
0: they sound awesome. They are. And that's because of you and you also get the reward of the close relationship with them.
1: Yeah, you already won, Michelle. Your son's wedding day is not your culmination of beautiful 30 years of parenting. It's his wedding day. It actually has nothing to do with you because there's going to be other moments. Like when... He starts his second company or or when he gets this huge promotion or whatever. Those are the days you can say, you know what? Yeah. I raised you to be strong and I raised yeah. you to be this and I'm so proud of you. And even then, it's his yeah. day. So I think if you detach yourself from this mindset of it's my kid and my mm. day and I did this— mm. You're going to have a better time and your son will have a better time because if you're concerned and worried, he's going to be concerned Mm -hmm. and worried because he's more concerned about you, believe it or not, and how you're going to be at the wedding than he is his own dad. He knows that can be handled. They'd much rather see him get kicked out than to see you stress or cry or whatever. It's already a given that
3: you are the one who raised these boys. Everybody there knows this. And what makes me most proud is that I couldn't do all the things that I did, like go through school and be in the military and work without my kids' support. And I've been mobilized three times in the military. And, you know, my kids were like, mom, we're good. We're fine. You know, so I'm so super proud that they turned out to be such good young men.
0: I love how close you guys are. And I think that April is really onto something like maybe... The biggest gift you could give is to let it be their day, their day of kind of anxiety, because I think April's right. Of course, your boys are going to be worried about you and they're going to want to show you their love and they're going to want to be maybe defensive. And I just don't want all of the focus of Mm -hmm. this day to go towards your ex. Right. You know, right.
1: Yeah. Anything you resist persists. And I really, really, really can't stress enough. How much this needs to be your son's phone call to his yeah. father for yeah. his own closure,
3: mm-hmm.
1: his own growth, how he will go on to, you know, more generations will come mm-hmm. to the family. It's bigger than the day. Right. And you give him ownership. And so once you give him ownership of that phone call, then whatever happens on that day is like, it just it's just a happening. Right. There were people that got drunk at my wedding that I didn't even know would get drunk at my wedding. (laughs) You know, that made a mess of it. So like, there's no way to plan. Right. What happened? It makes for a
3: good story. Uh, Yeah. And
0: (laughs) truly, though also practical advice, if you're feeling agitated, hit the dance floor.
3: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I'm hoping I have a date for the wedding.
0: (laughs) Tell your daughter-in-law too, if she's getting like, a little overwhelmed with talking to everybody to just hit the dance floor. Nobody can really talk to you when you're
3: dancing. Yeah. I just want to look forward to walking my boy down the aisle. My one request, I'm like, listen, I'm walking you down the aisle. That's just my one request. (laughs) It's going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. I am super excited. It's going to be awesome. I am so excited. I've been waiting for this kid to pop the question for two years. Oh my God. There's so much to be happy about. That's awesome. I am blessed. I am very, very blessed. Michelle, I'm so happy for you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to me
0: too. Thank you so much for talking with us.
3: Love you guys. Thank you so much. <laughs> I'm so excited. Thank you. You're amazing, Michelle. Thank you, ladies. Bye. <laughs> Bye.
0: April, what is it about the wedding idea? It amplifies everything.
1: Yeah, I think it's because it's one day. You know, it's one day and everybody thinks it's going to be or should be the only time they ever do it. But it's we have to remember it's a party. Otherwise there would be a private ceremony and then some kind of cocktail reception on another day. There's the nostalgia of it, there's the commercialism of it. We've talked about that before. The financial investment. Yeah, you know, <laughs> Oprah did a show years ago about the sort of postpartum that brides have after the wedding yes because everything was the lead up to that one particular day and not about the life that they were going to have but you know far be it for me to say what Michelle and her family should do my first thought when she was telling us about it was that maybe he shouldn't be there because we can't control behavior but yeah there's a lot of stress and everybody has their own agenda for these days your guests will your family members your friends Just expect it to not be perfect. And maybe we should tell people to stop looking for perfection on their wedding day and start getting into the real part of it, which is people and people are flawed and people have agendas. And maybe if you have a kind of catch-free day, then that's the best case scenario. But more than likely, there's going to be some hiccups, right? And if we didn't tell people that it was supposed to be so perfect, maybe we wouldn't be so sad when it doesn't end up being exactly what we had dreamed of.
0: We should write a book called "Not a Perfect Day: Advice for Your
1: Wedding." Yeah, exactly. And just like give women the, <laughs> the down low, right. And that way, if it comes off without a hitch, like you're like, woof, that was easy. Yeah, it was great. You know, I still remember people coming up to me and going, "There's no more salmon," <laughs> or "There's not enough heaters outside." It was just so much pressure. I really
0: recommend eloping. <laughs>
1: April, do you mind if I ask you for advice for a
0: minute? Sure. All right. I had a dear old friend reach out to me telling me that my very close friend was, I guess, talking shit about me at a wedding that they both went to. And I hadn't talked to the first girl for a long time. So, And I was also... Intrigued in kind of a childish way. Like, what is she saying? While the other friend I'm incredibly close to, we don't talk on a daily basis or whatever. So I took the bait, I called her back, and then I kind of realized I don't want to explore what the shit talking was because I hadn't talked to the other friend who lives out of state for so long. So I took the bait, I called her, and I kind of decided to just catch up for a minute, to not inquire about the shit talking, which was why I called her back, which maybe was the reason that she texted me. What do I do with my very close friend? My inclination is to not kind of get in the middle of it.
1: So who was it that was talking that way? The one that you're really close to? The one that I'm really close to. Was talking about you? I guess so. According to my other friend, But who is it that you haven't spoken to in a really long time? All of them, all of them. (laughs) Okay, first of all, you know, when there's distance in space, and let's say it's been a year, five years, two years, whatever. My opinion is if someone is talking about somebody that I know, and that person is presently in that person's life, and I think it's going to do them harm, and I think they're being duped or tricked, I will then go to that friend and say, hey, you might not know this person as well as you think. And I want to share something with you because I'm, I'm concerned that you're going to get hurt in this way. Now, if I'm at this wedding and I hear somebody saying something about you and it's somebody you, you're not talking to anymore and they have no idea what's going on in your day-to-day life, there's a part of me that thinks, why would I tell her? It's only going to hurt her. It's only going to throw her off track. It really has no bearing on her day-to-day life at all. And then what happens is you get into the morbid curiosity like you did of like, hmm, what were they saying? Right. But you're not in their life anyway. Right. So it just ends up being ego at that point. Right. You're right. Really, at the end of the day, you know, this person isn't making or breaking your life. They're not in your day to day life. Yeah. And I think that that's kind of why
0: I instinctually backed off. Yeah. From like asking her, tell me the shit.
1: (laughs) Exactly. Who
0: cares? Yeah. I think that's the way I have to look at it as an adult. And I always give out the advice, like curb your curiosity. And I probably need to follow that.
1: (laughs) Yeah, because it doesn't matter, right? Like if you knew something about somebody that was working with me at my office or, you know, my husband or a best friend that I see all the time and you think I'm in harm's way, please come to me. Please come to me and talk to me privately about that. But otherwise, don't hurt my feelings. I got too much to do. That's how I feel. Yeah,
0: I don't need an independent pot stirrer in my life.
1: No, because sometimes I'm going to look at the motives of the person saying, hey, so-and-so was talking, you know, crap about you at a wedding. Like, what is that motivation? Is it just to get back in touch with you? Is it to get attention? There's so many things like
0: the female triangle friendships.
1: April, I just love you. Thank you. Thanks, Anna. I come out of these days with you and I always have like extra energy after. So thank you.
0: I love how inherently trustworthy you are Mm. and that you hear people
1: so well. Oh, well, thank you for recognizing that. I so appreciate that. I adore you. And thank you so very much. Love to you guys. Thanks, April. Bye. Bye. Bye.